What's going on, everybody? You're listening to episode number 57 of Trail Tales. My name is Kyle O'Grady. I am a thru-hiker. I am a peak bagger. I'm honestly just a huge hiking nerd, and every single week on this podcast, I chat with another thru-hiker, another peak bagger, or another hiking nerd. This week's guest goes by the name of Kristen Gardella. You might recognize that name because she is a previous guest of the show. She has thru-hiked the Appalachian Trail and done a bunch of these like shorter New England trails, and that's pretty much what we're going to be talking about this week. We go over four different trails slash hiking challenges. We go over the Mid-State Trail in Massachusetts. We talk about the Monadnock to Sunapee Greenway Trail in New Hampshire. We talk about the Tully Trail also in Massachusetts, and we finish up at the end of the episode talking about this thing called the Connecticut Blue Trails Challenge, which I don't really know that much about. But again, we're going to get into it during the episode. So yeah, if you like hiking in New England or just in the Northeast in general, I think you're going to really enjoy this one. A lot of these trails don't really get that much uh, publicity. They're not really super well known. And so I think we were kind of able to shed some light on that. And it was a really, really good time. So Kristen, when you hear this, you've been a long, long time supporter of Trail Tales. And I really appreciate that. And I appreciate you coming on a second time. And let's do a third one soon. We're going to get into the conversation in just a minute here. Real quick, before we start, I just got to plug all the stuff that no one cares about. Uh, the, the Instagram, the website, all that stuff. So yeah, why don't we start there? Instagram at TrailTalesPod. Go follow TrailTales on Instagram and like some of my shit, please. Um, the website, TrailTalesPod.com. I'm sure you probably don't need to go to the website if you're listening to this, unless you're like a first-time listener. If that's the case, you can get more information about the show and, of course, listen to all the episodes there, TrailTalesPod.com. Facebook is a thing as well, and I honestly always forget about the Facebook, but uh, yeah, Trail Tales on Facebook, go look it up. I, I still see likes kind of trickling in on Facebook every now and then, which is kind of fascinating, so go look it up there. The last thing I'm going to say real quick here is just a couple ways that you guys can help support the show, because I know you're just dying to help support this tiny little podcast, right? Um, iTunes reviews, in particular, five-star iTunes reviews are super helpful. It helps the show rank higher, helps more people get exposed to it. So if you go leave a five-star iTunes review, Apple Podcasts, whatever review, that would be really, really awesome. And I will read it out loud during an introduction to the next episode or whatever. And that's exactly what I'm going to do now. I haven't really been getting many reviews the past like couple weeks. I mean, that's that's not good. Let's Let's get some more reviews. Um, this one says, Sobering, my passion for hiking was reignited after decades, and I now feel more connected new generations through trail tales. That's pretty cool. As a sober hiker, I especially appreciate hearing from others who experience is not centered around intoxication, which is kind of a bizarre review, but I appreciate the five stars nonetheless. I am slightly intoxicated for some, for some of these uh, episodes, but this... this uh, this week's episode, the one you're about to hear, I was not, so you'll probably be happy to hear that. With that said, um, the last thing, Patreon, gotta plug that real quick. If you want to help support the show, like this week's guest has done, go to patreon.com slash trailtales. Um, I think that's pretty much gonna do it. Link to all the stuff mentioned here in the show notes as usual. Let's do it. Episode number 57 with Kristen Gardella. Kristen Gardella, how's it going? 
All right, all right. Good, good. This is uh, this is our second episode. So everybody listening, if you haven't heard our first episode, um, I just looked it up two seconds before we started recording, and I al- already forget the uh, the number, but um, number twenty something, twenty six. I got it right here. Twenty six. Um, published on May first, two thousand and nineteen. So it's been a while. It's been a while, and. Pretty. I mean, we pretty much had an entire summer's worth of hiking to uh, to catch up on here. So yeah, I'm I'm really excited you could come back on. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to be part of the repeat guest club. That's right. Which there's quite a few of you. Which I mean, I I love. Like honestly, like I, I I've never really had an episode where I feel like my guest like wasn't like talking enough or like saying like cool stuff but i do kind of worry sometimes when i'm talking to someone i don't know that like they're just gonna give like one word answers and then i'm gonna have to just like come up with a bunch of questions on the fly that has not happened yet like i said but it's always just a nice little like reassurance when i have talked to my guests previously and especially because you've done like a ton of stuff um a lot of stuff that most people I feel like don't know about. And that's another reason, so many reasons here why this is going to be such a good chat. We, we have a bunch of stuff we're going to bounce around to. Um, there's like two things. I've got this little list in front of me here. Just, just from like the five minutes we were talking before we started recording. I, I already got like a list here. We're going to talk about, or we're going to try anyways. We'll see how far we get. But, um, <laughs> there's always episode number three if we have to, but, um, we're going to try to talk about this thing called the Tully Trail in Massachusetts, which I had literally never heard of until about two minutes ago. We're going to talk about the Monadnock to Sunapee Greenway Trail because that's been on my radar for a while. We're going to talk about the Mid-State Trail in Massachusetts um, and maybe talk about this like Connecticut – what did you say it was called? The Connecticut like, – Connecticut the- Blue Trails Challenge. Blue Trails Challenge. Okay. And again, I've never heard of that before. So, yeah, we've got a bunch of stuff here. Yeah. Um, with that said, before we like dive right in, Kristen, why don't you just give people like kind of a reminder of like who you are, what you've hiked, and uh, I've been saying the hiking resume thing a lot lately, and I usually follow that by saying that it sounds really douchey to say that, but I'm kind of a douche, so yeah, why don't you give your uh, hiking <laughs> All right, I will join resume. you in douchedom. Um, <laughs> hi, everyone. Um, I'm Kristen. My trail name is Crispina. Uh, I did the Appalachian Trail in 1999, which was uh, the subject of part of our first episode. That's right. That's I've right. done the North-South Trail in Rhode Island, the Mid-State Trail, uh, the Long Trail, the Coast Trail, next on P. Greenway, some, some other stuff. Uh, and right now I am working on this thing that Kyle alluded to called the Connecticut Blue Trails Challenge. So, um, you know, a lot of the same northeast east coast trails as everybody else i haven't yet gotten out to the pct or the cdt but who knows who knows we got time that's right that's right i mean you, you said there are a lot of the same northeast trails that people have done but i feel like other than the at and the long trail there like most people haven't done those other trails and and most people don't even know about those other trails so that's why this is going to be so awesome which one do you think we should start with i mean like i said um, there's like four different like yeah. things there <laughs> I mean, any of them would be great. I mean, that's, I think the really good thing about all these smaller trails is they are, they're great training for people who want to do something like the AT or the long trail. They're also, um, usually there aren't a lot of people on them. So Mm -hmm. it's a a good place to go if you are sick of the crowds. Um, I am happy to talk about any of them. Uh, We can talk about the Monadnock Centipede Greenway since you did not do it this year. I did not. I even went as far as buying the map. But I just, I just didn't do it. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. it was like 
I, I was like, I already, I, I literally like booked the time off of work and everything too. Like I had like all this plan and then because it's like a point to point as most long distance trails are, obviously I like was trying to figure out how I was going to get back to my car and I like, there's like this taxi company and looked up their stuff and it was going to be like 120 bucks or something, which honestly isn't even that bad for the distance. But I was like, okay, I could pay $120 for this shuttle or I could just go do like a loop in the whites for the same amount of time and not have to pay for the shuttle. And at the end of the day, I just, I don't know. I, I kind of felt like I should just wait to do the Monadnock Sun and Peak Green Metro once I, once I have somebody else to go with me so we could just do the car swap thing. That was my yeah, rational. That was my rationale anyways. But yeah, so why don't we start? I don't think I've ever, I know I definitely haven't done like a dedicated segment or episode on this trail. I'm, I feel like it might have been brought up like once or twice in previous episodes, but I don't think we've ever talked too much about it. So why don't you just explain like what this trail is, where it is, you know, all the uh, the basic like front page of Google kind of stuff. <laughs> right. So it's a it's a fairly short trail, I think, uh, with us doing. So I went with a friend of mine. She was preparing to do the long trail. So we did this kind of like a shakedown. Mm-hmm. Um, and depending on which trail you use to access the two termini, because it starts on starts and ends the sun, summit of Mananuk, Mount Mananuk and uh, Mount Sunapee in southern New Hampshire. And depending on what you use to access those two summits, it will end up being somewhere between 48, 52, maybe a few more miles than that. So it's mm. relatively mm. short. You can do it uh, depending on how much you want to push it. You could probably, I mean, there, I know people who've done it in a day, but uh, that's probably not that <laughs> enjoyable. Um, probably but not you could really. do it, you know, in several days. It's, it's, uh, it, there weren't too many people on it. And it's in a night, you know, it's in Southern New Hampshire, which I don't think gets a lot of attention because most people just focus on the whites. So Guilty. it's a little <laughs> off the beaten path. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's, I think it would be a really perfect shakedown hike for anyone trying to do the long trail or the AT. It's kind of similar. There are shelters, uh, there's a town you go through so you can get a little bit of a town day and see what that's like. So it's a good sampling of a lot of what trail culture is like. Yeah, definitely. And it looks really beautiful from what I've seen too. This trail's honestly been on my radar for like a long, long time because Back when I was like first getting into hiking and backpacking, I was watching a lot of um, uh, Trekking On's videos, who's Tuts the guy, Jonathan. He was a, a previous guest, episode nine, like way, way back about this time last year, honestly. And he had like put out a video series on this trail like, you know, years ago. And so I kind of found out about it through that. And so, like I said, I've been like wanting to do this trail for so long and I, I was so close <laughs> back in like September and I just, I just didn't do it, but it does look really awesome. Uh, geez, where should we start? So I feel like you, you gave a pretty good overview there. Um, let's start with camping. So I'm just going to do like some of the, the, you know, the through hiking specific things, like what you'd want to know. Um, and that's another thing that kind of drew me to this trail is like the the shelters and established campsites from mm-hmm. from what I understand because most like smaller trails like this that don't really get that much traffic that aren't also part of like a bigger trail system like like something put on by the the AMC or the Green Mountain Club or something most of those trails don't have like shelters like even even established campsites a lot of the time so yeah, well, can you just like I I feel like maybe there's not that much to say other than there are shelters, but I don't know. Can you can you talk about that a little bit? 
They they are pretty special. They did uh, they did a really great job with them. They're beautiful. They're very clean. They're in good sites too. So it's it's actually surprising how nice they are. There have been other trails that I've hiked that don't get as much attention as as the AT or the Long Trail where the shelters are trashed because people are going up there on the weekend to party and then nobody mm. really takes care of them. So these are beautiful. They're clearly very well cared for. Um, they're mostly positioned at reasonable distances from one another and they are, um, you know, they're very, they're, they're not too far off the trail. They're, I think, very convenient. And so you can, this is a good trail for someone who maybe they're a little nervous about spending the night in their tent or they aren't really familiar with their hammock yet and they want to have a backup just in case the the shelters are there. And I will say the entire time that I was out there, I didn't camp with anyone else. Um, I went with one friend and we never saw anybody else at any of the shelter sites. Um, We did stay at the tent site that they have one night too. We never ran into anybody else. So we basically had these beautiful campsites all to ourselves. Nice. Do all the shelters have um, water sources nearby? So they vary. So the first night the we stayed at, we had kind of a short day on the first day because just the way the shelter timing worked out, it was either we were going to do a short day or we were going to do a really long day. And since I told you my friend and I were doing this for her shakedown hike, I didn't really want to make her do a 20 on her first day out. Um, <laughs> didn't think, yeah, didn't think she'd ever want to do it again. So, um, that shelter had a wonderful water source. Um, a couple of them have really nice water nearby. Um, I think there was only one that we went to that was dry at the time. Okay. But it still like had like something there at least, or, or like in, in theory, like it would have some water. It wasn't like they just built it like nowhere close to a stream or anything. No, there's, there's definitely, you don't really need to make any water carries or anything like that. Okay, cool. Um, and there's one of them that is really close to the one town that you go straight through. And when I first read that, I thought, oh my God, this is going to be a problem if we stay there because just, I've had some really bad experiences where I've camped too close to town and I anticipated that it would be, you know, it might be a problem since we were two women. And so we didn't end up staying there. But I found out afterwards that the town that's nearby that shelter kind of sees it as their duty to take care of people there. And so they will actually come out to the shelter. And I heard of other people getting invited into people's homes for dinner. Oh, wow. um, yeah, you can you can walk a short distance into town, get some food and bring it back. So it, and it was it was very, very clean, like all the others. So it seems to the, the shelters are wonderful on this trail. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I honestly like I pretty much just said this a few minutes ago, but the shelters were like super intriguing to me when I was um kind of planning to do this trail over the years so that's that's awesome so while we're on the subject of like water i mean the west coast listeners are probably like gonna roll their eyes at this one they're like kyle there's it's new (laughs) hampshire like there's no water problems but like i don't know for for like east coast standards uh maybe again going back to like comparing it to the a tier the the long trail how does like the water situation for the entire trail like kind of compare like is there anything like any dry stretches again east coast dry stretches like anything like that <laughs> so you made a mile yeah. <laughs> no i mean we never had any problems i mean we were there in the spring too so we probably had too yeah. much water um there were a lot of parts of the trail that were very very wet you know if i had run out of water i probably could have pulled water from the trail itself at times um and there were 
there was uh, a flooded part we went through where we had to we we were probably in water maybe halfway up to our knees so oh wow there was yeah there was definitely plenty of water when we went so i might even suggest spring is maybe a little too early because it was kind of it was late spring so it was post mud season but like may like early may yeah yeah gotcha. so maybe may either may or early june and it was it was still a little too wet so i might even push it a little later than that yeah definitely um probably fall would be a good time i mean that's to be fair like pretty much any trail in new england that you could yes. you could say that about <laughs> but i don't yeah. know because i because I, from my understanding you're not really going over that many like super high mountains too so i'm assuming a lot of this trail is just like uh you know forest walking so obviously that would lend itself to a uh, to fall that being said I, I know there are like a couple summits obviously the two on each respective uh terminus but Mm-hmm. Um, I know there's like at least one or two other ones that you go through like in the middle of the trail too as well, right? Yeah, so you hit some some you know little little small mountains in the 2000s, and the depending on whether or not you start or finish at Monadnock, that's either either your highest point is your first day or it's it's where you finish. Okay, um, yeah. that is the highest point on the trail. Um, Sunapee isn't, is lower than 3000 feet. And, um, most of the other little mountains that you, you go over around, you know, in the two thousands and, but there's still a lot of really beautiful views from them. I, I definitely was surprised at how many, uh, really expansive, gorgeous views we had. And you'll get lots and lots of views back towards Monadnock. We went northbound from Monadnock to Sunapee. And you get lots of views back towards Monadnock at all times. You could really see how far you've come and and it's it's just beautiful. I mean obviously the views off of Monadnock are really, really fantastic. For anyone who's never been up there, it's the summit is completely treeless even though you're on a you know, you're lower than four thousand feet. Mm -hmm. Um so the views up there are just really fantastic as well. You're getting me pumped on this trail. Jeez. I don't know. <laughs> I, I love just like walking through like the forest. Like maybe that's why I never really understood why people call the AT like the green tunnel and stuff. Like I genuinely just like to walk through like forests. So that like just gets me so excited, especially because like Southern New England, I feel like I'm in a lot of other places in New England as well. But uh, I don't know, just something about the forest down there, like in Southern Vermont too. Like it just... I don't know. It's just kind of nice. And, and one thing I remember from uh, Tutz's YouTube series, it seemed like, or at least according to him, yeah, it seemed like there was quite a few miles that were on maybe like, I don't want to say like logging roads, but just like trail that wasn't like maybe originally designed for this trail. I think he used the term like carriage roads or something like that. Um, yeah, there's you- definitely a lot of that. Yeah, can you just talk about that a little bit more? Because honestly, I I really like uh, to hike on those kinds of paths and stuff. I'm just trying to think about like what might have been there before um, the trail was. So the treadway is is I think it's it's pretty approachable. Um, it's not you know super technical or anything like that. There are a lot of cart paths and and fire. You, you do spend some time in some dirt roads or fire roads and and some like you know, double track roads through the through the woods. So mm-hmm. there's a, a lot mm-hmm. of variety of that. Uh, it makes it a lot easier. You know, you're not scrambling through single tracks. So again, this, if somebody is kind of new to backpacking, this is probably a great trail for them because you'll do get some single track trail, you get some roads, you get some cart paths and logging roads. So it varies a lot and it, it can be easy to make time too, because you don't have a lot of 
you know, there's, there's not a ton of uh, obstacles in your way. And there's not a lot of times where you have to be doing any hand over hand scrambling or anything like that. How about like uh, elevation gain? So I know you said like there are some smaller mountains and obviously the Mount Monadnock is a, a bigger mountain for these standards anyways. Um, but it sounds like this trail isn't terribly difficult. So what about those climbs that, that do exist? How tough are they? Um, I, yeah, I pretty much just, <laughs> I don't need to drag <laughs> that question on any longer. <laughs> yeah, I think your, your most difficult climb is going to be Monadnock. So, and, you know, there are different ways to get up Monadnock that aren't, some of them are easier than others. We decided to go up from the, um, from the south on the, the trail that is the end point of the Metacomet Monadnock Trail because uh, that's another trail. So that goes from the summit of, of Monadnock down to the Massachusetts border. It's 18 miles. And then that hooks up with the New England Trail. So you can actually go all the way from Long Island Sound to Sunapee on a continuous footpath if you want to um, by linking all of those together. But we went up that way because I'm I'm trying to, at some point, I'll go back and do the rest of that Metacomet Monadnock Trail as well. So I wanted to do that just to get a piece off of there. And there was definitely some very steep climbing to the summit of Monadnock from that angle. Uh, there are there are easier trails to get up there, but Monadnock is is surprisingly difficult for being a very small mountain. You know, it's very very rocky at the top. There can be some very steep exposed areas too, and so it really depends. But that's going to be your biggest climb of the whole thing. So I think the biggest question to think about when deciding to hike this trail is do you want to finish there with that big, beautiful view or do you want to get that out of the way in your first day? Um, it's We chose to do it northbound because the, the way that we had planned our time, we were going from Thursday to Sunday and I did not want to finish on Monadnock on a Sunday because yeah. I don't know if you've been up there, but it's constantly covered with people. And I haven't been up there, but I did hear somewhere, maybe it was from Tuts's video again, that um, it's like one of the most climbed mountains in the entire world or something crazy yes. like that. Yes. And every time I've been up there, the summit is just so crowded. And so I figured, okay, a Thursday has got to be better than a Sunday. But even so, we get up to the top of Monadnock and it's our very first day. We're all excited. We're in the woods. It's beautiful. It's quiet. We get to the top and there's all these teenagers up at the top and we're <laughs> blasting music out of a speaker. And the very first thing I heard when I peek up to the summit is boom, 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 boom. <laughs> oh my god well there you go that's what this trip is going to be about so, <laughs> that's actually kind of funny <laughs> yeah it, i look looking back on it now it's 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 pretty hilarious but uh but i was i was so mad at the time god damn it um and so i couldn't wait to get off of the summit because i just wanted to get away from that but once once we got off of Monadnock, it was fine. We really saw very few people. Yeah, I'm not really much of a fan of, of when people bring the uh, the speakers and stuff with them when they're hiking. Um, <laughs> that's never that's never good. 
Although it, I, I, it would be kind of funny if I like got up to the top of a mountain and then somebody was just like playing those like horns. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean that should happen every time I, I get to the summit of a mountain now, and she just. Bah, 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 bah. I know, right? Oh <laughs> It'd my be god! Perfect. Throwback to episode <laughs> fifty of Trail Tales. Um, shout out to Baker for that one. Um, that was his idea. <laughs> if anybody yeah, remembers that good. episode, every time we said episode fifty, it was and yeah, that, yep. was, that was Baker's <laughs> idea. Funny stuff. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, where should we go? I, I, I'm thinking about moving on to the next trail now, sure. just because we have so much on on the uh, on the roster here. But is there anything else you feel like needs to be uh, mentioned or said about this trail? Because I didn't get a chance to ask like as many questions as I usually do about these trails. So yeah, anything else? So normally, I would not expect on a trail this short to get any trail magic, and I was wrong. We were maybe halfway in, so I'm starting to get to the point where I'm carrying trash, and I'm, you know, I don't want to carry all that trash. And I was looking around for garbage can everywhere, and there were no garbage cans. Um, this, oh, that's something to mention: is this trail is very clean. The people who care for it really do a great job. It's beautiful, um, and there were no people around, so there, there, there wasn't very much trash left mm-hmm. on them either but uh we were on a road walk at one point and i looked to the side and someone had built this little tiny chapel but they had water they had a trash can they had a register and it it was just so funny to see something like that on such a short trail i, I was really <laughs> surprised so i was able to dump all my trash we got some cold water we signed their register wow. it was and so it was really nice again for my friend who was using this as a shakedown to see you know the the generosity of of trail angels and to have some trail magic even in a short trail like that um you see, you see a lot of generosity on this trail, even such a short distance. When we went into the one town that you go through Washington, there is, there's a wonderful general store that will make you all kinds of huge grease bombs of food (laughs) and they have beer too. And we, we got some beer, we got some sandwiches and they have a little gazebo in town. And I went to go sit down in the gazebo and I looked and there was an outlet. So I was able to charge my devices sitting in gazebo, eating food and drinking beer and then we started walking out of the town and some people came up and asked us if they could help us. They knew what we were doing. They knew we were hiking, um, but they wanted, you know, they wanted us to come in their home and get some more cold water and they had bug spray for us. And they wanted to warn us about all the bears they had seen recently. <laughs> and so all of the people that we met on this whole trip were, were so great. And so I thought it was such a great introduction to anyone who was getting into backpacking and kind of getting some of that exposure to really how, you know, great trail communities and trail angels. So, um, so thumbs up on Monadnock Centipede Greenway. That's, that's so awesome. Like it's, it's great to hear that the people, I think you said it was a uh, Washington, New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's cool to hear that the people there are like embracing the trail, even though there's not that much traffic because I'm sure you've experienced this before. And a lot of people listening have experienced this when you go into a town, especially on the, on the trails that aren't as, well known as like the long trail of the AT and the people around you just like have no idea what you're doing. And I feel like that would be kind of like expected for a trail like this that doesn't get that much traffic. And so, yeah, just the fact that the people there are like down with that and willing to, to help out the hikers is, is really awesome. You're making me really want to hike this trail. I'm going to definitely get to it. You got to do it. 
It's Just definitely... don't do it in the spring. Yeah, no, definitely not. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking Northville Placid Trail and Monadnox on a Peak Green Mud Trail. Oh, Those are my man. two like long distance hikes planned for for I next year. I have the Northville Placid Trail on my list for next year too. Ooh. We'll see. We'll see. Fall. But you got to go during the fall for that one. I'm thinking about it. I I don't want to go. I, I've seen uh, you know all the pictures of flooding and everything in the in the early in the early summer and late spring, and I just I'm worried about how wet it can be so i've, I've definitely been thinking summer to fall so we'll see cool. we'll see yeah that's a, that's a really cool trail i gotta get some redemption on that one <laughs> um let's uh let's talk about the uh all right let's go to the let's go to the mid-state trail let's do that sure. so i have done a little bit of research on this trail um, not just out of curiosity, not, I haven't really ever planned to do this trail and there's not very much information available on the Midstate trail online. So why don't you just talk about like what it is, like where it is. Um, I'm sure the Massachusetts listeners are going to be stoked on this one. <laughs> and I know there's quite a yeah. few of you. So yeah. What is the, uh, the Midstate trail? Hopefully I don't say anything wrong and then people will just be screaming. I heard you uh, Googling there. So hopefully, <laughs> yeah, you got all this stuff in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, uh, so I, it's been a little while. So I did this in 2018. So I wanted to make sure I pulled it up. So I remembered exactly how long it is, et cetera. So it is about 92, 91 to 92 miles. Uh, it goes from the border of Rhode Island up to the border of New Hampshire roughly central massachusetts so it it traverses the state i think it's in in the entirety is in worcester county okay so um so it essentially is the middle of the state uh if you're looking for information on this trail you have to make sure you're looking for the massachusetts mid-state trail because there is also the pennsylvania mid-state trail i ran into that i ran into that problem when i was (laughs) when i was researching Yeah, I'm interested in that one someday, too, but I don't know too much about it. Um, But so, yeah, it's another kind of short, long distance trail, which seems to be my specialty lately. Um, (laughs) You can through hike it. There are shelters. Uh, I did this one as a section uh, because I wanted to get another friend of mine kind of exposed to longer, longer trails. And I thought this would be a really good intro. And so we broke it up into a number of sections and we did car spotting the whole way. So this was my first experience with car spotting along a long trail. And that itself is something we could probably talk about forever. Just all the (laughs) challenges associated with that. Um, it's, it's a, it's an interesting trail. There's it's some of it, um, goes through very densely populated areas. So there were times when we were literally walking through people's backyards. Um, And so it's, there, there feels like you're, there are a lot of sections where you're next to somebody's house or you're in somebody's backyard. And so um, you can imagine going through central Massachusetts, Massachusetts is pretty populated and especially being near Worcester. I was going to say, like, my first question here was going to be, like, how is there a trail through there? Because, like, I mean, <laughs> I haven't been there that much, like, central Massachusetts, but um, I do know that there's, like, a lot of people there, obviously. So, yeah, like, you're, you're just, like, walking through people's backyards and stuff. I mean, is it is it like that for the – I mean, I know you're not literally going through backyards the entire trail, but, like, is it, like, common throughout the entire, like, length of the trail? The southern part of it more so. Once you get to kind of the northern half, it gets a little bit more remote. And the there's a little bit more elevation in the northern end of it, too. 
Um, the southern end of it is is more flat. There's some rolling hills and you do, I feel like you have a lot more road walking in that section and you spend more time in people's backyards in the southern <laughs> half. Um, that being said, I know that it's a huge challenge for the group that maintains it to keep those pathways open. They're constantly working on their relationships with the landowners to make sure that the trail can stay open. So it's really important for anybody who's hiking that trail to make sure they are on their best behavior because that could really endanger the trail corridor. Because like I said, you're standing next to somebody's house. They can see you. You know, we had a number of people who came out and were standing in their backyard or something like, Hey, I'm here too. It was just (laughs) a really odd experience. Um, I don't know if you remember that part on the AT you probably because it's so close to Vermont. So when you're leaving Massachusetts and you're heading up towards the Vermont border. Yeah, you know I that, know where you're talking about in in uh, North Adams there. Yeah. Yep. So that part where you go right through the yard, it's a, it's like that. You're right next to their house. Um, wow, so it's, it's so important to be a really good trail steward and to be on your best behavior. So how does that work with camping then? I know you mentioned there was a shelters a few minutes ago there, but um. Yeah, if you're if you're constantly, you know, kind of treading on such a, you know, narrow corridor, how does camping work? So I guess we'll start with uh, shelters. How frequent are the uh, the shelters on this trail? So there are five of them, and uh, there's one right near the Rhode Island border. So there's one right away when you start. So if you're starting from the south, it's not going to do you any good because unless you're you know, getting there the night before because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. it's right there. If you were, this trail does connect to the North-South Trail in Rhode Island. So if you were doing that as a continuous through hike, that would be a, a good option, I'm sure, to stay. But if that's your first day, it's not very useful. Um, and then mm-hmm. there's kind of a gap between that border and then when you, you see your next one, just because, like I said, they're so... There's so much population in the southern end that there, you know, you you will have to go a little ways to get to the next one. Hang on, let me look at my guidebook here and see if I can figure out where that that next one is. Um, so I, I remember not seeing one for a long time because there were so many roadwalks and you were in populated areas. So yeah, you, it takes a while to get. Okay, here it is Moose Hill. I mean, I think you're already a third of the way in. So how do most people? kind of do the the camping thing like do people just like try to stay at the shelters or do people like south camp as well are there are there like any other campsites that you know of there is a there is one other campsite to a tent site um so i think the majority of the people that i know who have who have done the thing as a through hike have just done big days okay now it it's not a it's not a very hard trail to do the elevation gain is not is it's not huge. Um, your your largest mountains that you're gonna encounter are Wachusett, um, which is our is our teeny little ski resort here, but it's beautiful. <laughs> but uh, is Wachusett, and that is the mountain I think that Philip has spent a lot of yeah. time training on. Um, and then there's another mountain right near the New Hampshire border. Mount I've heard it's called Watatick and Watatick. Um, so it's like the most Massachusetts name I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> but so since there's not that much elevation gain, you can do some pretty big days. Um, so I think it's, 
you know, it's not a problem to kind of get between those campsites. And the majority of them are in the northern half. So if you started from the north and went south, I think by the time you got to the south, you'd have some good momentum going and probably wouldn't be an issue. That makes sense. That makes sense. I know um, you said it was like roughly 90-ish miles. That's not like a long trail by any means. So I'm sure a lot of people, especially if they're doing bigger days, um, don't really need to resupply. But on the off chance that you do want to resupply um, or you just aren't doing big days, like, yeah, like what's uh, – are there any opportunities to resupply? Um, yeah, resupply. You go, <laughs> you go near um, – you know, you go near restaurants and gas stations, but I don't remember going close enough to any grocery stores or anything like that. So I think it would be – if I were going to do it as a through hike, I would just carry all my food to yeah. finish. Um, and I'd try to do it in, you know, five days or something like that. Um, so it might, you might have to do a little bit of a food carry. But like I said, you can stop at some restaurants, some bars, some, some gas stations to supplement. So, okay, um, cool. yeah, I don't remember. I didn't, since I was doing it as a section, I didn't really think about post offices. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how close they would be to the trail. That makes a lot of sense. Um, what else should we cover? I literally just did this with another trail like two seconds ago, so I should know <laughs> what like other questions. Water. Okay, water. That's that's probably a good one. Um, yeah. So, again, I'm assuming if you're going through like a lot of relatively populated areas, like water I, – I, I shouldn't assume this. Is water an issue at all on this trail? Because, like, again – a lot of people don't like to drink water when they're like really close to, you know, roads and towns yeah, and stuff like yeah. that. So can you just talk about that a little bit? There are a lot of water sources. Again, uh, in the in the southern end, a lot of them are close to roads and there are a lot of beaver ponds. So if you are on this trail, you definitely need to treat your water. Um, but there there were plenty of them. I did run out of water on one day, but that was mostly because I was being stupid um we we hiked this so this was one of the really interesting things about this experience for me is since we did it as a section hike we did it over the course of a year and i hiked in everything from i think we were out there one day where it was three degrees up to a day where it was a hundred degrees so it was really strange to see the same trail in such a wide variety of temperatures and and environments there was you know when we started out we were breaking trail through snow and then some point in the middle of the year, we had that hundred degree day and that was the day I ran out of water, of course. Oh yeah. Um, Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that day was kind of an unfortunate day. We had originally planned to do about 15 miles. I was trying not to plan really big days because again, this was a friend of mine who was kind of getting her feet wet into this, this type of hiking. And we ended up doing a 19 mile day because the map the, the guidebook we had was a was an older one and the map was wrong and there had been a reload and I didn't factor that into the mileage. So it ended up being a much longer day than we thought. Ran out of water. I gave my last water to my friend and then I basically just ran ahead to, to see how far we were from the car. Um, so that was one, there was one very dry section. I think I probably could have found some water, but I didn't bring my water filter again because I was just thinking of it like a day hike so that was stupid so even if i was gonna do this uh again i should have planned better i should have brought a water filter even for doing day hikes yeah i honestly i always throw my uh sawyer just in my day pack yep. even if i'm just yep. going for a couple miles so 
Um, let's see. That being said, I've never really had to use it on a day hike, but yeah, never a bad idea. Thing weighs like no, three ounces. Definitely not. Um, so if you're going through a lot of like you know private property and on roads and things like that. Are there ever times where you're not really sure, like, if you're on trail or not, how, like, well um, marked and uh, navigable, is that a word? I feel like that's a word, <laughs> is this uh, <laughs> is this trail? <laughs> this trail is mostly very navigable. Um, there are, there are, uh, they use for blazing, they use these little plastic triangles that have a little hiker symbol on them, and then they also paint yellow so they're yellow and then they paint yellow triangles on okay, trees as cool. well so mostly it was easy to follow we had one day where we got lost uh we were on a road walk and it had been rerouted and so the the route that was in our book was not the one they were using anymore and there was a major turn that we didn't see because it wasn't blazed. So we were just wandering around on roads for the longest time. And that, and then it started to pour on us. So we're just walking around on roads in the pouring rain. And thankfully, some man saw us and came up to us and was like, that's okay. Yeah, we're kind of lost. And he said, oh, are you looking for that trail? At least he knew there was a trail. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. There's, there's some trail. Are you looking for that? Said, yes, please. And so he pointed us down this road and so we walked that way and we intersected it, but we realized we had that whole chunk we had just missed between where we missed the turn and where he directed us to. And because we were trying to complete the whole trail, I made my poor friend walk back <laughs> on that section that we skipped. We're like, we are not skipping any miles. So we walked that whole section back and then turned around and walked back to where we had been. So we had to, you know, we had to do that distance double and I felt really bad, but I was not about to miss any miles. So, um, but that was the only time we missed a turn. If that turn had had just one blaze, it wouldn't have been a problem. But even through people's backyards, you still find, you still find blazing. Cool. That's, that's, that's good to hear. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So you, again, like at the beginning when I introduced this trail, I said that I couldn't really find that much information <laughs> online. So like what resources did you use to kind of, especially if you're doing section hikes too, that's obviously like a different kind of planning, but there's still a lot there. So yeah, what did you use to um, plan for for this uh, for this trail? So there is a guidebook. Uh, it's the Massachusetts Midstate Trail Guide, and you can order it. There's a website, midstatetrail.org. Um, the people who maintain this trail are associated with the Appalachian Mountain Club, the Worcester chapter, and okay. they have a separate website for the trail, and then you can order the trail guide through there. Um, they have, thankfully, in the last year, they released a new one that is totally up to date. So as long as you get the new one, you should be fine. But it has... It has trail descriptions, it has mileage, it has little maps, um, and the the new maps are all up to date, so you shouldn't get lost in the places that I got lost. Um, and then they have, it's actually a nice little guide because they have some, uh, they have a little description of each town that you go through, and the history of that town, and some highlights you might see. Uh, you do go past a lot of different interesting historical sites and cemeteries. And so it's nice. They have some descriptions in there that tell you about what you're seeing. Um, since it's such a populated area, there are, like I said, there's a there's a lot of different, um, you know, old historical buildings. And, and there's even sometimes there's some signs telling you of 
different events that happen in that area. So you do get a, some interesting history about Central Mass too, uh, from the guide and also when you're on the trail. Um, I also, I looked around myself for some videos or other stuff and I, I didn't find that many. There was one video of, that I watched of somebody who did a through hike of the trail and he also did the North South trail. And so, um, and then the Wapak trail, which I can talk about in a second that connects to it as well, that goes into New Hampshire. Um, and so I watched his videos and they were kind of helpful, but yeah, there's not, there's not a ton of info out there. So a lot of it was just, I figured out stuff as I went. Um, the, thankfully the maps in the guidebook helped me figure out where I was going to park cars. Um, (laughs) since that was a huge issue is finding safe places to leave my car, uh, and then leave the other car. Um, so I found the the trail guide very helpful. I think the the newer one will be even more helpful since it's got new maps. Nice, nice. Let's um let's talk about this uh, Tully Trail, which is okay. a gr- great name for a trail that rolls off the tongue. The the, tel- <laughs> the Tully Trail sounds like cute. Like I feel like I've never thought of a trail as as cute before until I yeah, heard the, is, the name the Tully it, Trail. <laughs> it's kind of cute. Um, so the great thing about the Tully Trail is it is a perfect loop. So you don't have to worry about car spotting at all, even if. If you're going out to do a backpacking trip by yourself, you can do this. Uh, if you want to stay overnight, you can. I, this could definitely be done in a day if you want to do a long day. It's only, uh, what, 20? 23. 23, there you go. So if you want to do a long day, you could definitely do it in a day. Um, or you can stay overnight, and then you can just walk back to your car. So that's that's the great thing about it. Um, it's in northern Massachusetts, right along the New Hampshire border. And um, there's, I don't know, there's like one one significant climb, maybe two. Um, there, It's all pretty low elevation, but there's a lot of water, uh, lots of waterfalls. That's one of the real features of the trails, the waterfalls. Huh. Yeah, this looks pretty cool. I'm, li- I'm like doing some, some Googling right now to... <laughs> I wonder, are there, there's got to be like some campsites, right? Because I mean, for people like us, we could probably do it do it in a day, but you got to remember, you know, well, I'm, I'm sure you do remember this. Um, Obviously, a lot of people don't have the ability or desire to do a, a 20 plus mile day. So um, are there, there's got to be like, I'm seeing one shelter somewhere mm-hmm. on this trail. Is there anything else? Are there any like stealth sites that you remember? I know you weren't like looking for them, so it might be kind of hard a, to remember. There's a campground and there is oh, a shelter. The too, yeah. yeah. So there's the, the campground is kind of at the Southern end of the loop and then the shelter is at the Northern end. So if you, Oh if yeah, you want, true. You could use either of them. And actually we did it. Uh, in two days figured why, why, like you said, why would you sometimes, you don't want to do 23 miles in a day. So, um, it definitely makes a nice overnight hike. Um, the way the distance splits up kind of depends where you leave your car. Essentially, we left our car down by the Tully Lake campground, which is at the Southern end. And so, and then we went clockwise from there. So the first day ended up being around 16 miles, and then the next day was only seven, somewhere in there. Um, so it's that's that's the one thing is that your days aren't necessarily going to be exactly the same length if you if you want them. Right. Um, the shelter 
At the northern end is one of the shelters on the New England Trail, which you share the path with for a little bit. And oh, so the okay. section that you're overlapping with the New England Trail, you actually that's where your shelter is going to be. When we got there, it was completely packed, though. It was filled with a group of, I don't know, maybe Boy Scouts or something. And, you know, they're not really supposed to take up the whole shelter, but they did. <laughs> doesn't stop um, them. I've seen that nope, before, too. No, doesn't yeah. stop <laughs> So they took up the whole thing. And I went up there to talk to them to try to see if they would at least clear one space. Because, I again, I was with two friends. And they, um, you know, one one of them had a tent. The other one didn't. And so I tried to get them to clear space for the person who didn't have a tent. And they were like, oh, I don't know, <laughs> shuffling around a little bit. And I said, forget it, forget it. And so we left and we went back down the hill from the shelter and was trying to find a, a good place to put two tents. And that was not, that isn't easy. So if you are planning on camping at the shelter site, it's not the best place to camp. Really? So there we wasn't were- any like spots for tents around the shelter? Not too many. We had a really hard time finding them. Interesting. Neither of us, neither two of us who had tents have huge tents. So I, I, you know, I have a a duplex, which isn't tiny, but it's not huge. Yeah. Um, And then my friend had one of those Lanshan tents and um, there, there was, it was really hard to squeeze those in. Um, And, and then I just had my friend who didn't have the tent stay with me because it just, it wasn't worth pushing the issue with the the people up at the shelter. Um, It was also not in the best condition, but it wasn't a really beautiful spot. So that's one of the nice things about that. But it was, you know, so we made it through the night. It was really cold that night, but we, we made it. Um, And, you know, then the next day we got up and we kept going clockwise and you go through some of the most you go by some of the most beautiful waterfalls that second day if you if you do the the loop in that order. So there's definitely there's definitely plenty to see on that trail, even though it's short. It's really really pretty. Nice, nice. And just from looking at this map here, it looks like water is not an issue on this trail. No, not at all. <laughs> no. Um, and we stupidly did this trail in April. Uh, oh wow. It was, that's a very bad idea. Uh, we had a lot of fords. There were a lot of bridges that had been washed out. And so, you know, there was one where we had to go through this really raging stream up to our waists. And this was the first time my, either of my friends, I think had forded something like that. So I was really nervous about it. So I had to give them kind of the quick rundown on how to do it. Um, in yeah. April, it must have been cold as hell, too, the water. Yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> so then we were soaking wet, too, so that's really great. Um, so we definitely had to, to ford quite a few little streams and creeks that probably, if you had waited a couple of months, would just be fine. And yeah. you just walk up through them. So, um, so don't go in April. See, I'm giving <laughs> lots of advice on what not to do with all these short trails. <laughs> hey, uh, advice yeah. is advice. Um, yes, but yeah, there's plenty of water. No issues with water at all. Just from looking at this map, I th- I think that if I were to do this trail, the way I would do it is I would try to get somebody else to go with me, and we'd have to have two cars, and then I would break it up into two days, and then stay at the um the uh like car campgrounds like overnight. Mm-hmm. So you could like do two full days of hiking, and do like a, an entire trail or whatever, but you could still like stay at the campground and like drink beer and have like better food. So you get like <laughs> the best of both worlds pretty much. Cause like it, 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 for everybody listening, 
It's basically like a big loop and then there's a road that kind of like cuts right through the center of the loop. So you could like, if you had two cars, you could not have to drive very far and still like be able to kind of cut the trail in half and make it two days. And, and then the, the campgrounds right at the end of the road. So that would be uh that would be pretty easy. Um, that seems like a, a fun way to do it. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's not um, you're not going to go through you'll be on some roads, but you're not going to go through any towns or anything. So, yeah, that that does sound more fun because then you could bring your own, you know, you could bring more food and drinks and stuff like that. But because you don't have that opportunity, unlike, you know, some of the other ones I talked about, you're not going to go by a bar or anything like that. So, um, so that sounds like a good way. If I do it again, maybe I'll do that. Lots of um, pro tips in this episode. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, like I said, don't go in spring because I'm sure as you're looking at the map, you will see it goes through the Tully Lake flood control area at one point on the oh, eastern geez. side. <laughs> and so I I think a lot of times that section of the trail is underwater. So you just have to be careful unless you really enjoy if you're, I don't know, maybe if you're prepping for the Florida trail or something, that would be a good experience. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah. <laughs> we got a few minutes left here. Before we get to your story, why don't you just tell me about this like Connecticut blue trails, whatever challenge thing. Cause I've never heard of this before. Yes, this is my, this is my current project. I'm not sure how long this is going to take. Um, so Connecticut, uh, oddly for such a small state at one point had, I'm not sure if this is still, this is still true, but had the second largest trail system in new England after the whites. So there, are, uh, not counting all the private trails on land conservancies and things like that. Um, there are 825 miles of blue blazed hiking trails and side trails on those blue blazed trails in Connecticut. Hmm. Um, these are, so, so there's a book, a classic hiking book for the state of Connecticut called the Connecticut walk book. Uh, it's put out by the Connecticut forest and park association, which is a very old hiking and, um, land conservancy group and they maintain those 825 miles of trail and so there is a challenge for anyone who wants to do it to do uh, to hike all 825 of those miles so it's kind of similar to redlining the whites or redlining the smoky something like that except you're redlining the state of connecticut um <laughs> and so i i grew up in connecticut and I grew up with a, uh, my parents' property was right up against the Patchogue State Forest, which is in eastern Connecticut. And right, so that's a 25,000 um, square acre state forest. And so it's very large and there's all kinds of trails out there. And so I grew up with this blue trail in my backyard and I had no idea what it was called. It was just the blue trail. And I used to hike it over and over and over. And then as I got older, I found out there were more of them. And so I through hiked a couple of them in preparation for doing the AT in, in the 90s. So I did the Patchogue Trail, which is 28 miles. And then I did this um, Nihantic Trail, which is like 15 or 16 miles. As you know, I did the the Nihantic Trail in a day. And then I did the Patchogue in two days to kind of get ready. Mm -hmm. um, and so I did those. And I, di I didn't really think about the rest of the state. And at some point, I bought this Connecticut walkbook. And I looked at it and I was like, oh my God, there's so many of them. And they, I was reading the intro and there is this challenge to hike all of them. And I never really thought about it again until I moved back to Connecticut now in my old age. Um, and 
realized that I had already done a good chunk of them. And they also count the AT in the mileage because they. Oh, okay. I was going to ask. I was going to ask about that. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, oh, well, I've already got that. And I've already got a couple of these blue trails. So what more do I need to do to get the rest of them? And so I started planning it out. And my goal was by the end of 2019 to do all of the trails east of the Connecticut River. So the Connecticut River basically splits the state more or less in half. Um, and the Eastern side of the, of Connecticut is a little bit more rural, uh, and that's where I live. So I figured, okay, I'm going to get everything done on the Eastern side of the river by the end of the year. And so I have spent this year picking away at all of those trails. You have to do the main trails, but you also have to do all their little side trails. So this creates all these issues of figuring out how you're going to loop them. Doing as little repetition as possible. Cause they're, you know, when I, when I go out to work on this project there are times when i end up or hiking the same trail three times because i have to get these other little loops and side trails off mm-hmm. um or there'll be a day where i end up planning out okay i'm gonna get this little one and this little one and this little one and i make seven different stops with my car <laughs> during the day just to get 17 miles of trail in so it's been a really different challenge than through hiking um it's Sometimes it's not that enjoyable because I'm like, oh, my God, I have to do this thing. So it feels like that. Uh, but just today, before I got on, on with you, I finished finally doing all of the trails east of the river. So I'm Oh, about, nice, nice. Yeah. So I'm about 350 miles into 825 miles. And I have to figure out, am I going to set myself... Do I need to do this next year? Do I need to finish it? I I think I'm going to give myself a couple more years because I'm mostly doing this by myself. And so I have to drive to all of these different trails. And the further away I get from my home, the more time it's taking. I mean, there was a day where I drove an hour and a half just to hike a mile and a half. (laughs) So, so, so that, you know, and that's, so that's a pretty significant time investment. So I have to kind of figure out how long. Do I, you know, do I need to do this? And I'm, I'm trying, I figure I got to complete it by 2025 at the latest, but I'd like to do it faster, but it, it really depends since nobody else seems to want to jump in with me. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's cool um, though. That's like a cool, like unique type of challenge. And especially because I know you're, you're talking about the driving and stuff and it is kind yeah. of a pain in the ass, but in like the grand scheme of things, Connecticut isn't like a huge state. In fact, I think no, it's the second... No smallest state or something it's like that small. so it's pretty small like that is cool like there's there's a similar thing here um in vermont it's the uh not the end-to-end like long trail but it's like called the side to side so you hike all of the blue blazes that are like kind of off of the long trail and like i don't think like many people do it at all but like i've been like kind of thinking about maybe doing that someday and i don't know it, i haven't really committed to that but it's like a similar thing like it's it's not like a through hike and it's also not like a peak bagging things you're not reaching the summits of anything or or, you know that's not the objective anyways but you're still like just covering miles so i don't know i i think that's cool and it's definitely a pretty unique type of uh of hiking challenge yeah and if i finish it all there's only a few people who have done it so i think just because it's you know if you really want to do it you have to get all these little side trails and so most people aren't that interested in it yeah um and so there's only i think about 10 people who have done it so if i finish the whole thing i get a fleece vest which i'm pretty i'm pretty (laughs) set on i need to get that vest um so 
but it's it's been fun because I've done a couple of the trails as through hikes, as short little through hikes. Um, even if I'm, I should probably not say this on on a podcast, but even if there, if I'm not really supposed to camp out there, I've done a couple of them. I didn't um, hear you. Yeah, where I've done some stealth camping and and like there's this one trail that I did <clears throat> this year that was 51 miles, and I did that in two days. Um, I figured let's just bang the thing out. So um, and I stayed overnight, hopefully in a legal spot. Um, but again, I've, you know, I run into some of the issues that it goes through some populated areas at times. So, you know, it, like the New England, the Southern part of the New England trail is through Connecticut, but that is very, goes through some very populous areas. So it's kind of difficult to do the New England trail as a through hike or even the Connecticut part of it, just because of the camping options. They're not, they're not great. So as I move into Western Connecticut, I'm going to run into some of those challenges. It would be great if I could do some of these things as overnights, but it's not always going to be the case. Just Interesting. because of the lack of camping. Yeah. Yeah. That definitely would uh, make it a little bit more challenging, but it wouldn't be any fun if it wasn't a challenge. So no, uh, that's true. There that you is go. True. Trying to spin like <laughs> logistics into being yes. fun as best I can there. Um, <laughs> We're getting towards the end here, Kristen. Do you want to do a story, another story, your second story on Trail Tales? Sure, sure. So I have been working on trying to increase my my mileage, um, my daily mileage, because I'm looking at a couple of, I just discovered the world of competitive hiking challenges. There's this thing called the Allegheny 100 that I'm really interested in, where you have to, uh, you have 50 hours to go hundred miles or something like that. And so I'm, I'm getting very interested in this. So I've been increasing my mileage. So this summer I tried to do the North South trail again. So for those of you who are not familiar, go back and listen to my first episode, That's right. but, uh, it is a, it is Rhode Island, the tiny little state Rhode Island <laughs> has a long distance hiking trail that goes the length of the state and it hooks up with the mid state trail. If you want to make a longer through hike, but it's 78 miles long. And so last year I did it in three days. And this year I said, well, I'm going to do that one better and I'm going to do it in two days. Um, so including the approach trail that I use, it would end up being about 80 miles. And I figure, all right, two 40 mile days, I'm going to do it. And I had never done a 40 mile day. My day at that point was 32. So, you know, those eight miles really, they really don't seem like they should be that much, but they are. Um, so I got dropped off early in the morning and I was, I was well on my way by noon. I had 20 and then I, so I figured I, I went on the longest daylight weekend of the, the year. I did the summer solstice. So I figured out plenty of daylight, mm -hmm. no problem. So I did my 20, I kept going. I started to get really bad blisters and I don't normally get blisters. I've been hiking enough that it's not really a problem. Um, but I was getting terrible blisters. It was so painful and I'm limping and limping and I get past 30 and it's getting horrible. I'm like, God, what is going on? This is really not, not the norm for me. Um, it's just seems really out of the ordinary, but yeah. I kept going and I get to, and it's getting later in the day. It's probably around six and I'm kind of probably around, I know I'm in the high thirties at that point getting close to 40 and I'm getting close to the halfway point, which is where I figure, okay, I'm going to stop the camp there. And I, I got plenty of water cause I knew it was going to be a dry camp. And I 
get to this portion of the trail, which is a rail trail, and I'm walking down it, and I see ahead of me this huge chain link fence across the trail. <laughs> this is new. I did not expect this. Um, the ch- so th- there's just this, the whole thing is closed off. And then the chain link fence goes off into the woods on either side of it for quite some ways. So yeah, there's, there's no way to go around it. And ahead of that was a bridge over a pretty deep ravine that has a river in it. And the bridge is under construction and there's a, um, there's a bunch of heavy machinery sitting on top of the bridge and the whole thing's closed off and you can't go through. And at this point, like I said, I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the high thirties and I'm like, well, this, what, what am I going to do? I, I'm like almost halfway. I've been busting my ass all day. And I look up and there's a little sign that says, Oh, well, if you'd like to get around to this, you can do this, you know, essentially nine to 10 mile road walk back oh this God. way and around to the other side. So if I had done that, then I would have had, I would have made myself walk back to the other side of that bridge because again, I'm trying to do a through hike. So I would have ended up doing like a 50 mile day. So at that point, my feet are killing me. I said, oh, forget it. I'll just, um, I'll just come back and do it at some other point. I don't live that far from here. So I call my dad and, um, I figured out a way to get to a road where he could come and pick me up. And so I did end up getting a 40 mile day because the whole route I put together ended up being 40. So he comes to pick me up and he's got a cold beer. Cause remember my dad threw hiked the AT with me. So he gets it. So he's got a cold beer and some other stuff and he takes me home and, and I'm really bummed because I, I really was excited about doing this in two days and, and it was just really sad. And so I, I go on this, I go on Facebook and I post to this hiking group I'm in about my failed attempt and how, how bummed I am. And, um, you know, all these people are saying, Oh, but, but you did a 40 mile day and that's so cool. And I say, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I can't believe I couldn't get this done. And some woman comments on my post and says, well, this was the next day. Well, I, you should probably be pretty happy you didn't finish because at the end of the trail where it comes out to the ocean at the coast of Rhode Island, there was a massive manhunt the day you were supposed to finish. Oh. They were looking for a murderer in the woods who was camped along the trail. Oh, geez. Wait, so, what? So uh, there was this guy who had just killed somebody in Massachusetts and fled to Southern Rhode Island and was hanging out on the North South trail. That's where they found him. Oh, man. And he shot himself. And so they ended up finding his body. So what would have happened to me if I, if that bridge hadn't been out, I would have kept going and either I would have met this guy or, or I wouldn't have been able to finish anyway. I've gotten like 85 miles and, you know, or sorry, 75 miles and not been able to finish because they had the trail closed or I would have finished. And then my husband couldn't have come to get me because they weren't letting any cars into the area because they were looking for this guy, but it would have ended badly no matter what. So, um, so I, this fence and this bridge that was out that wasn't posted anywhere saved me. <laughs> so I like, yeah. man, the trail provides. It That's really so does. Crazy, yeah. Because talk about like turning a bad situation into like a less bad situation. Seriously, <laughs> and I, I look back on the whole experience and I'm like, I'm not. I know you just did that episode on kind of spirituality, and I'm not a super spiritual person, but I'm like, huh, I got the worst blisters of my life. 
then this bridge was out. Like something was definitely trying to stop me. Yeah, from, really. Like, you know, from going any further and getting myself into this bad situation. And That's know, crazy. It's just, wow. It's it's that trail magic, you know. That's gnarly. Do you remember the dude's name? I, I don't want to give him any. No, no, I'm I don't just remember. Kind of curious because I, I, yeah. I mean, I'm obviously up in Vermont. Like I still, I feel like I vaguely remember like something like that happening around then. But I don't, I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah. Damn. Yep. Yeah, on that note, I think we're gonna wrap it up here, Kristen. That was a that's that's so crazy. Um, thank you for coming on again. Thank you for being like a longtime uh, supporter of the show, a Patreon supporter. I didn't even yeah. say that. Yeah, I I I missed so many chances to plug the Patreon this episode. Um, <laughs> thank you so I much. Did not buy my way onto the episode. No, 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 <laughs> definitely not. You were not a Patreon supporter during our first episode, so no, let's be I was clear not. about that. Um, <laughs> shameless plug. Yeah, yeah, just uh, thank you so much for everything. And we're going to have to do a third one because you talking about the New England Trail, another trail I know absolutely nothing about, um, has got the gears turning. And I'm like, that would be a good yeah. episode. Again, lots of people that listen to this show are, are from Massachusetts and to the other places around New England, um, New York as well. So, yeah, we're going to have to do round three at some point. Um, well, yeah, and if we both do the Northville Placid Trail, we can, we can actually oh, talk true. about you successfully completing it. Knock on wood. (laughs) Hopefully. (laughs) I think that's going to do it. Um, Do you want to plug like your social media, any of that stuff? Sure. I, the only thing I really, I mean, I have Facebook, but it's mostly just to like, you know, be in hiking groups. Do not send her a friend request people. Yes. Don't, I won't answer it. Um, But so I'm on Instagram as Mrs. Von Jazz hands, um, which is, Just MRS Von Jazz Hands. If you would like to find me, I am posting uh, updates from the Connecticut Blue Trails Challenge, and I also post all kinds of other stuff from all my hiking adventures. So if you're interested in short, long trails, you you know where to find me. That's right. That's right. Cool. Thank you so much, Kristen. Thank you to everybody listening as well. There's going to be no episode next week because it's going to be Christmas. So yeah, thank you and have a good one. 